Good morning. Good to see you here this morning. Uh, if you would be taking your Bibles and turning with me to the Gospel of Luke, we'll be in Luke chapter 5. We're going to spend the next little while in the, walking through the Gospel of Luke. Uh, and what we're going to do as we walk through the Gospel of Luke is just talk about what it means to walk with God, what it means to spend time with Him. And so Luke chapter 5 is, is where we're going to be this morning. Uh, I was thinking uh, this week about uh, this past Christmas. Uh, Crystal uh, had went to see her mom, and as she was coming back, uh, she brought the, the kids' gifts back with her. Well, one of the, the gifts that she brought back was a castle that her mom a, had bought for Zoe. And I don't mean like a, we had some castles that Zoe had in a room that were like this size. Well, my princess got like a, a real castle, right? I mean, it's like this tall. Well, it came in a box like this. And so I had to put that thing together. And so I was, you know, not super happy when I first looked at it. And, and so because I, I started opening the box and, and I pulled out one box and it had all these pieces and pulled out another box and it had all these pieces. And before you know it, I had all these pieces spread out on the floor in front of me and none of them looked anything like a castle. Like they look nothing like the box, and so I was looking at it, and behind me I have a princess. Now, Daddy, don't mess up my castle. So you know what I did? I didn't. I, I did not put the castle together very manly. Like I actually followed the directions from very first go. I, I look at step number one. You know what I did? I did step number one. Then I did step number two, and then at like two o'clock that morning, I was finally finished with this castle. Well, the, the reason why I followed the steps was because I didn't want to mess it up. I didn't want Zoe to be upset with me. But, you know, I got to the end of it and I looked and I didn't have any leftover pieces. All the walls were the right side and none of them were inside out or upside down. Typically what happens, I get about halfway through and I say, man, maybe I should have followed the instructions. I didn't do that this time. I actually followed every instruction that they told me to follow and it worked out perfectly. It was amazing. It's like the people who made that thing and gave me the instructions to follow knew how to put the thing that they made together. It was, it, was, it was wonderful. And as I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about, as we talk about walking with God, I, I thought about how often we wish we had an instruction book. How often we wish God would give us something to say, okay, this is how you raise your kids. Okay, this is the career I want you to choose. Hey, here's who I want you to marry, or here's, well, I don't want you to marry, or I don't want you to go to college, or I do want you to go to college. All these different questions that come up each day, and it's like we have all these boxes in front of us, and we don't know what to do with them. It's like, God, just give us an instruction book. But what I've found, and as you read God's Word, is that He did something way better than just give us an instruction book. He gave us Himself. I mean, what better uh, advantage could you have when it comes to putting something together than, than an instruction book than to have the very person who made it standing over your shoulder saying, no, not that one. No, your other right. No, your other left. It's much better to have the person who made that thing tell you how to put it together than an instruction book. Well, God himself has come and, it, and lived with us. And when we come to Luke chapter 5, we see the, the beginning of some people that we call disciples or apostles who walked with Jesus, the Son of God, for three and a half years. These men didn't talk about walking with God. They literally, physically, visibly, tangibly walked with Him for three and a half years and then walked with Him the rest of their lives. Jesus tells them some of the last words He speaks to His disciples are, don't worry, I'm with you even to the end of the world. 
I, I, don't, I don't know about you guys, but in my own lifetime, I don't think I've ever seen a moment in time where I need God to walk with me any more than today. I mean, I turn on the news and, and I see all the crazy things going on. I hear about the hurricanes. I hear about the fires. I hear about the, the nukes. And I, I hear about all these different things going on in the world and see our, our country tearing itself apart. And, and I, I think to myself, what's going to happen when my little princess gets old enough to, to have children of her own? What's going to happen when my kids grow up? How am I going to raise my kids in this world? What's that world going to look like? How am I going to make it through tomorrow? And I'm sure you have question upon question to follow upon those questions. How do I deal with this? How do I deal with that? And so what I want us to do for the next couple of weeks, months or so, is as we walk through Luke's gospel, see what it looks like to walk through this life walking with God. And so the first step in walking with God is starting at the very beginning, starting at the moment when we meet Jesus. And so meeting Jesus is the first step we take in walking with God. Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little uh, from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And then verse 5, And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let, now, let down the nets. Father, I pray that you'd be with us now. God, that I would be able to get out of the way, that we'd be able to get out of your way, and that we would be able to hear from you in this place. God, I pray that you would speak truth into our lives, and God, that you would strengthen us for the days ahead. God, that you would guide us through the lives that, that we lead. And Lord, that you would show us how we walk with you, how it is that we can walk with you. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so in Luke chapter 5, what we have here is Jesus has been teaching and preaching. And as he is doing so, he is, his reputation has grown to the point that there are so many people that he's backed up onto the beach of Lake Gennesaret and he has no further to back up, and he looks over and he sees some guys who had finished fishing for the night. They're, they're cleaning up shop. They're getting ready to go home. And he says, hey, guys, I'm going to jump in your boat. Would you mind pushing out a little bit so I can continue and finish my sermon? And so that's exactly what he does. He gets in the boat. He gets in Simon's boat. We know him as Simon Peter. Uh, and he sits down in Simon Peter's boat, and he begins to preach, and he, begin, he finishes his sermon. We don't know if it's just the crowds or if the fact that Lake sort of offers a natural amplifier for his voice. Whatever reason, he's in Simon's boat and he's finishing up his sermon. And so Simon is sitting there listening to the sermon. I mean, you can't really go to sleep if Jesus is actually in the boat with you. And so he's listening to the sermon and he finishes it up and he looks at Simon and he says, Hey, I know you're done for the day, but would you push out a little deeper and throw your net back in for a catch? They're done at this point. Like, it, it says that they were finishing for the night. Like, they'd been up all night fishing and caught nothing. And Jesus looks at them and says, hey, why don't you give it one more shot? Like, that's really, like, I have everything cleaned up. I'm ready to go home and go to bed. But then we come to verse 5. Now, I don't think we take enough time about what Simon's response is. Remember, Simon says, I've not even gotten a nibble not gotten a nibble all night long 
But nevertheless, Master, at your word, I will let down the nets. If you say to do it, I will do it. Why is that such a big deal? Simon is a professional fisherman. Like, this is not what he does on the weekend. This is what he does to make a living. Jesus is the son of a carpenter. It's not exactly like he has much training in fishing. Training why Simon's the professional. Like, this is his business. What is he doing listening to a carpenter's son about how to fish? Remember, this is not a day where you just went out and fished because you'd like to fish. No, this is something you did because you had to make money. You didn't, they didn't have a lot of leisure time to do whatever they wanted to do. And, and so Simon is a professional and he's listening to an amateur. And, and we know what this is like, right? We know people in our lives that are skilled in certain areas that we're not and we go to them and we ask for advice. I, I was thinking about that this week. I, I, I ate dinner with Justin uh, Miller every Wednesday evening and it's turned into, hey... So I was trying to put in trim this week, and I can't get, get them to line up. I know Justin has some expertise in woodworking, and so I'm asking him all these questions. I, I'm not advertising for him. Don't, don't go and ask him a bunch of questions. I don't want to have to stand in line. I, you find your own professional. But, but anyway, I, I, I mean, he, if I ever get done with all my flooring and everything that I'm trying to do for, for Crystal at the house, you know, then you can talk to him. But anyway, uh, but, but so I, I know that he knows what's going on, and so I'm going to ask him about those things. I'm going to ask him how to fix it. Well, Simon isn't doing that with Jesus. He's not saying, hey, you know about fishing, so let, let me get some advice. No, Simon is listening to Jesus for a completely different reason. Notice he calls him master. He calls him Lord. He knows there's something different about Jesus than other men. He knows Jesus has something different than other men have. There's a certain level of authority. Put yourself in Simon's sandals, if you would, for a moment. He's a regular old guy, just working, trying to make ends meet. He's a fisherman. He's a man's man. He's tough. You know, like he, he just works every day trying to feed his family. He's doing what he's supposed to do. But life is hard. It's really hard. He lives in a country where... They are oppressed by the Roman government. The Romans have basically occupied Israel, and they are making them do whatever Roman want, the Rome, Roman people want them to do. There's not a lot of money to go around, not a lot of resources to go around, and what little bit of resources there are to go around, well, the corrupt religious leaders of the day are sucking all that up, and then whatever's left, that the tax collectors, that Simon's own people are ripping them off. They're taking money that the Romans say are their taxes, and then they're also taking money on top of that. And so this is Simon's life. But he goes to church and he hears, or he reads God's Word and he hears God's Word, and he hears about someone coming to make everything right. He hears about a Savior that's coming. He knows that there's hope because one day a Savior is going to come. Then one day his brother Andrew runs up and says, Andrew, by the way, would have been one of John the Baptist's disciples, Jesus' cousin. He runs up and he says, Simon, I have met the one that is the Christ. I've met the Savior. John the Baptist had seen Jesus walking by and he says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And Andrew says, Got it. I'm going to go tell my brother. And so he goes and, and tells Simon. And so Simon has this in the back of his mind. On top of that, he hears all the things that Jesus is doing. He hears how as he t speaks and preaches, he does as, as so as one who is uh, has authority, not like everybody else who did it in that day. He hears about how he went back to his hometown. We read about just before this in chapter 4 where he goes home, Jesus preaches a sermon, and the people get so mad they, they take him and they get ready to throw him off of a cliff. 
And instead of being able to throw him off of a cliff, he walks through the middle of them, no problem, unscathed. He hears about how uh, at Jesus' birth some shepherds had come up and told Mary, hey, we were out taking care of our flocks and some angels appeared to us and told us about this baby that was born and that because he is born there will be peace with men uh, with whom God is pleased. We, we've heard all of these things. Simon has heard about Jesus healing people and casting out demons and doing all these amazing things. And now this man named Jesus that he's beginning to believe is the Savior of the word, world is sitting in his boat and he says, hey, will you throw your net over the side? What are you going to say? No, of course not. You're going to say, okay, whatever you say, Master, I will do it. And so that's exactly what he does. He's heard about who Jesus is, and now Jesus says, cast your net. And look at verse 6. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. So these guys, they've been out all night long. They've been fishing all night. They've been trying their best all night to catch fish, and they ain't got a nibble. Jesus says, throw your net over the side, and they do, and they go to pull it up, and it's so much that the, the nets can't hold it. The nets are breaking. They're, they're about to lose their nets. There's so many fish. Do you think this is because Jesus is the master fisherman? No, it's because he's the master of the fish. It's because he's the one who made these things. He has the authority to do whatever he wants to do. And so they listen and boom, fish are, are filling up uh, so much so that the boats begin to sink. Like their, their entire boats can't even handle all the fish that Jesus has caused them to catch because they listened when Jesus spoke. Then we come to verse 8. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Then verse 9, For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And the first part of verse 10 here says, And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. So Simon Peter responds with, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. Depart from me. I'm not worthy of your presence. He understands at this point that Jesus is more than a man. In fact, he responds very similar to the way that we saw Isaiah respond to God. Oh, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. Basically, he comes into the presence of a holy God and he says, I'm not worthy to be here. I have no right to be here. I, I need to get away from you because you're too holy for me to be in your presence. Because he's understanding that Jesus is God. He's beginning to understand exactly who Jesus is. He's beginning to understand that Jesus can direct him and guide him, not because Jesus has some sort of expertise, but because Jesus is actually the one who made everything. He can give the instruction booklet because he's the one who made everything. And so he says, I, I'm going to submit to your authority. He bows before him. He worships him, which is really the first step we have when it comes to following Jesus. We have to come humbly. You come to Jesus humbly or you don't come at all. Simon gets down on his knees and he worships Jesus, showing that Jesus is the one who deserves honor, not Simon. I mean, how, how many of you learn something from other people when you think you know it before they say it? Like, how, how many of you enjoy talking to an expert on everything? Like you go to tell them something, they're like, oh yeah, I know that. I can tell you all about it. I ain't got a clue. How hard is it to teach someone like that? It's impossible, right? Oh, oh, don't worry about that. I know about that. Okay, I'm going to give up. <laughs> right? I mean, that's, that's what we end up doing because there's nothing we can teach them. 
When we come before Jesus and we think we're experts and we think we can tell Him what to do, what happens? We don't learn anything. If we're expecting for Him to teach us something, if we're expecting for us, Him to lead us somewhere, the first thing we have to do is quit telling Him where we're going and start asking Him. These professional fishermen do exactly as the carpenter says because He's the one who made the fish. They listen when the Creator speaks. Why is it that we want to tell the one who made us how He ought to run the life that He gave us? How many areas in our lives do we look at Jesus and say, No, I got this. I think I know what's best and you don't. I think I know what ought to be done and you don't. I know you made me. I know you gave me breath. I know you gave me life. But I think I'm going to do what I want to do instead. How many areas do you look at your life do you come to and say, Lord, I know you said that, but I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. And, and, and believe me, understand, there's some areas where we'll, we'll struggle and we'll try and figure those things out as we move on. Sometimes we use the, the areas we're not completely sure on to make excuses for the areas that we are. Like we want to talk about stuff we're not completely sure on. But there's some things that he's given to us pretty much in black and white. To love him and to love other people. Like that's pretty clear all the way through scripture. But we try to avoid that as much as possible, right? Yes, we have his word. We have the instruction book in front of us. The B-I-B-L-E, right? The, that's the book for me. But for some reason, we want to move past those things into the areas that we're not quite sure on. But the very first place we have to start is his clear instruction to us. When he says, do this, don't do that, we should probably listen to him. The problem is, is we want to skip over those parts and then expect him to help us fix everything once we mess everything up. You see, until we come to Jesus understanding we don't know everything, until we come to Jesus understanding that he knows better than we do and that we ought to listen to him, we're going to be a mess. We're going to fight him at every single turn. I promise. Some of you got an experience in this, right? We're, we're good at this. I know you said that, Lord, but are you sure? Let me, let me give you some pros and cons here about the, this decision I'm about to make. He'll say no and we'll say, eh, let, let me think about that for a little bit. You see, humility is key. We can't come to the Lord without being humble. We can't come to the Lord without bowing before Him. And so we, we have to admit that we don't know everything. Why is it so hard to use the instruction book when we're putting something together? Because we don't want to admit we don't know how to do it. We don't want to admit that we don't have all the answers. That's the first step in following Christ is saying, I don't know, or I thought I did and I did it wrong, and I need you to fix it. That's hard. But until we get there, we're going to struggle. We're not going to follow Him the way that we ought to. It's going to be a miserable relationship. Guys, someone has to be boss. Someone has to be in charge, and it's not us. Like we talked about last week, God's throne is not a two-seater. You don't get to sit next to him. You don't get an equal vote. You don't even get a vote. That's one thing we're going through as my kids get older. It's like them learning, oh, wait, I don't actually get a vote. I realized that the, the other week. Like They always get to decide you know, what we watch and what we listen to. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm bigger than you. I've been here longer than you. I outrank you. You don't get a vote. I may give you what you want, but you don't get to decide that. The same is true with our relationship with God. We don't get to decide. He does. But that's hard, right? We don't like the idea of not getting a vote. But that's what Peter does here. He, he bows before Jesus and he says, I don't get a vote. Whatever you want me to do, that's what I'll do. And so we come humbly, but we also come boldly. 
And here's what I mean. Jesus says to him, do not be afraid. Uh, Beginning in verse 10. uh, He says, uh, and Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on you'll be catching men. His first statement to him is, don't be afraid. Don't worry about it. Come to me without fear. It's the same thing we see in Hebrews where the author of Hebrews writes to us and he says, no, you can enter boldly into the presence of the Lord because of what Christ has done. You can enter boldly into his presence without fear of him consuming you with his judgment because of what Jesus did in your place. We don't have to come before God with fear. We come before him understanding that he's a God full of love and grace and is offering us freedom and salvation. We come before him boldly knowing that if we submit to him and give him our hearts, he won't destroy us. Instead, he'll restore us, he'll redeem us, he'll guide us, he'll direct us, he'll purify us, he'll accept us, he'll save us. Like Jesus really is the Savior of the world. He really did go to the cross to save us from our sins. You see, Jesus really did become a man. God really did become a man and live the life that we should have lived. And at the end of that life, he died the death we should have died to pay for what we have done. And he says, if you'll believe in me, if you'll trust in me, I'll give you eternal life. I'll give you freedom from all these things that seem to hang on to you so tightly. And so we come to Jesus. We come to him humbly. We come to him boldly. (coughs) But we also come to him ready to be changed. And here's what I mean. He says, you'll be fishers of men. From this day forward, you're going to be something different. The, what you're fishing for is no longer going to be fish. It's going to be men. I'm giving you a new purpose, a new direction. I'm going to change why you do what you do when you do it. I'm going to recreate you is what Jesus is telling these young men. I'm going to guide you where I want you to go. I'm going to have you do what I want you to do. I'm going to change you each day that we walk together. See, Jesus is saying, I'm giving you a new purpose as you walk with me. Things are going to be different in your life. You're going to have a new reason for living. And we see that in verse 11. And when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. They left behind their whole life their purpose for being and took his purpose for being. They didn't go home and pray about it. They didn't think it through. They didn't check his references. They didn't weigh the pros and the cons. They didn't decide that they didn't have anything to lose anyway. No, they left everything to follow Jesus. They walked away from it all. Simon left the only profession he'd ever known. Best we can tell, he'd worked hard and and done all he could to provide for himself. James and John, they leave their dad apparently standing at the boat with the family business and say, bye, Dad. They just had the best day of fishing ever. And they walk away from it to follow Jesus. From the different gospel accounts, we, we see these pictures taking place in their lives. They walk away from who they were to become who Jesus is making them to be. You see when we come to Jesus and when we believe that Jesus really is the Savior of the world, there's actually no cost too high for us to pay in order to follow Him. If we really believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world, the Son of God, and He actually has our best interests at heart, there is nothing we can give that is too pricey, too pricey, too costly. There's nothing we can walk away from that costs too much to follow Him. What level of commitment do you have this morning? What level of... Uh, confidence do you have in him 
Are you confident enough to walk away from it all to follow him? Are you still trying to convince him that he doesn't know what's best for you? The truth is, is that he made us. He made this world that we live in. He knows what we need. That's hard to get through our heads, isn't it? That he actually knows better than we do. That he actually wants to help us. That he actually has our best intention in heart. Our, our best, uh, best benefit in heart. It's, it's hard for us to get that through our heads, but it's actually true. Like when we believe this, and we actually believe he knows what he's doing, we're going to let him drive. That's a big deal. I have a hard time riding with anybody else. I don't know if y'all do, but, you know, like I, I'm like, I don't know. I think I should be in control. The same thing happens in life. We always are too late to, to, you know, sing the Carrie Underwood song, Jesus Take the Wheel, because we don't think about Jesus taking the wheel until we're about ready to crash, right? We're good cruising, doing what we want to do, but then all of a sudden stuff starts going wrong, and we see the ditch uh, in front of us, we see the tree in front of us, like, man, things about to go bad. Jesus, take the wheel. What if you would have gave him it to begin with? What if you wouldn't have waited until things were about to all fall in on you? How different would your life look? What if you would have started off with him driving instead of you picking the road and you picking the time and you picking the speed? How different would your life look? Do you not believe that he knows what's best for you? Like if you believe that Jesus actually is the Son of God, that he knows everything, that he's more powerful than anything, and he actually wants what's best for you, what would you do different? You're like, I do. I believe that. I believe that He's the Son of God. I believe He is all-powerful. I believe He knows all things. And I believe that if I follow Him, everything will be best. You say, I believe that. Well, what do you do because you believe that? What is in your life that wouldn't be there if you didn't believe that? What are you doing that you wouldn't be doing if you didn't believe Jesus actually has your best interest at heart? What difference has he made in your life? See, when you begin to walk with Jesus, he makes differences. He makes changes. He changes us little by little as we walk with him. And so as we begin this journey this morning, as we begin this journey of walking with him, and we begin this journey of what it looks like to walk with him, ask yourself, Lord, do I, do I really believe this? And do I really live this out? Think about the week ahead. Think about the things that you have planned. Are you still going to do those things if you really believe that Jesus is in charge and that you should be following him? Let, let me leave you with this, though, because this passage of Scripture, when we read, they left everything and followed him. That sounds really good, doesn't it? Man, these guys are spiritual. They know what's up. I'm miserable over here. I'm so, you know, I'm just, I'm just the most terrible person in the world. I, I haven't done that. I keep stumbling. I keep struggling. Guess what? This wasn't the end of the story for any of these fellas, was it? As we walk through Luke, we're going to see that these disciples who left everything and followed Jesus, they had to keep leaving everything and following Jesus. They had to keep being retaught the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. They continuously messed up throughout the entire book of Luke and through all the Gospels. They never really get it completely right. They're constantly struggling. They're constantly stumbling, just like us. Guys, we, we struggle every day to follow him, to do what he's called us to do. But did you know that if we could be good enough without him, if we could be good enough for God without him, that we wouldn't need him? Like there's a reason he went to the cross. Because we're not good enough. We're not uh, perfect enough. We're never going to make all the right choices. It's going to be a constant struggle day after day after day. 
See, not one of us is good enough this morning. Not James, not Peter, not John, not Matthew, not me, and not you. We need His forgiveness each and every day. And so if you're here and you're like, man, I, you know, I've been following Jesus, but I, I got off track, and then I got off track, and I got off track, and I got off track, and I'm really not even sure where the track is anymore. I may be off track. I'm not even sure. He says, come back. Follow me. Put your faith in me. Put your trust in me. I have plenty of grace for you. I'm never going to run out. Or maybe you're here this morning and you've never said, you know what, I want to follow Christ. I want to give him my heart. I want to give him my all. Because you're saying, I've I got to be good enough first. I've got to get myself clean first. I've got, I, I got to have my ducks in a row first. I've got to be good enough before I can follow him. Because what happens if I start following him and then I mess up? What happens if I start down this path and I fall? You're asking the wrong question. There's no if. You're going to fall. You're going to fail. The question is when. What happens when I fall? What happens when I fail? Jesus will say, I have grace for you. I went to the cross to pay for all of your sins. Not just for a few. Not just for the ones you knew about. No, for all of them. Jesus went to the cross to pay for every single sin you will ever commit. And so when he calls you to follow him, he knows what he's getting into. Remember, he's God. You don't surprise him. You may think that you surprise him. Sometimes I wonder if I got close, right? But, but you don't surprise him with your mess-ups. He's like, I knew what I was getting into when I saved you, when I went to the cross for you. Guys, if you're waiting on yourself to be good enough to deserve him in your life, that day will never come. If you're waiting to be good enough for him, uh, to be good enough for him, apart from him, it will never come. The only way you can ever follow him is by doing exactly what Peter did. Lord, I, I don't deserve you. I, I don't deserve for you to be in my life. I'm, I'm not holy enough. I'm not good enough. And he'll look at you and he'll say, don't be afraid. I went to the cross. I got this. I got you. You just follow me and enjoy the ride. If you need to trust on him this morning, would you do that? If you need to return to him this morning, would you do that? Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you that as you speak your word into our lives and into our hearts, Lord, I thank you that we can be reminded of your grace each day. God, I thank you that as we look at our lives and we look at the areas where we mess up and where we struggle and where we fail you, God, we know that at the end of the day, there's always more grace. There's always more mercy, more love. Lord, I pray that this morning as we've gathered in this place that you wouldn't let us leave from here without realizing that. God, if there's anyone here who's never began that journey with you, Lord, that they would begin it this morning and that they would trust on you and they would follow Christ. Lord, I pray for everyone here this morning as we all struggle daily with following you and loving you and loving others. God, I pray that you would give us extra grace this morning. Give us extra strength to do just that. Show us the areas where we struggle. Show us the areas where we fail. And, and help us, Lord, to, to turn from those things and find forgiveness in you. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you would stand with us, and as we stand, we'll sing. And as we sing, would you come?